Welcome to the Faith Radio Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. And for this series, we were reading through the first six chapters of Daniel. And this is a bonus episode. We are going to do our best to cover the last six chapters of Daniel, Daniel 7 to 12. And joining me this episode, as well as all the other episodes, is University of Northwestern Bible professor Anna Rask. Welcome, Anna. Thank you. We've got a hefty task ahead of us. (laughs) Yeah, we do. So we're not going to be all necessarily reading this together. No, no. But you've mentioned in the study guide that this is apocalyptic prophecy. That is a big, that's the genre of it. And myself included, you know, that is a, that's a big phrase that we might not all be able Mm -hmm. to have a grasp on what that is. And I would really love for us to be able to, for, for us to be able to go into these last six chapters, understanding, having the tools that we need to read the, those chapters to understand them. Yeah, I'll give you the the bird's eye view, but to be honest, one of your best resources is a study Bible and a commentary. Like those can help you. And I mean, and yeah. speaking of which, you actually yeah. have a workbook <laughs> yes. written about Daniel that goes with a commentary because you teach this class here at the university. Yeah, so I wrote an accompanying workbook that goes along with um, it's a part of it's a series commentary, uh, the NIV application commentary. And Tremper Longman is the author of that commentary. And I was asked to uh, publish a book that correlates right along with that commentary. And um, that's where I for my students, I just try to make it really user friendly. So some fill in the blanks, some matching, some multiple choice questions. And then I've got full color pictures and uh, quotes from students and application questions. So it can really help you dive in. Yeah. yeah. So someone really wants to dive in. What I'll do is we'll put a link to the workbook and the commentary in the show notes. Yeah. So head to the show notes. If you want to grab those resources to be able to really dive into these well last six chapters and the first six chapters, if you want to go deeper, you'll hear a lot of what I said about Daniel 1 through 6, right in there. And it will go even deeper yeah. <laughs> if you really want to. Yeah. So let's do our best. Well, first of all, let's define what apocalyptic yes, prophecy that's, is. That's going to be key. Uh, so if you start going into Daniel 7, you're right away going to see a difference. So we end in Daniel 6, and Daniel is getting out of the lion's den, and they're praising God. You turn <laughs> you turn the page, and you hear about four mutant beasts crawling out of the ocean, <laughs> and you're like, I'm sorry, did I miss something? Yeah, am I missing pages? It, yeah, exactly. It is weird. For a modern reader, it is bizarre, and it is very confusing. Uh, it moves from very simple, straightforward stories to apocalyptic visions. And that's a totally different genre. And we hear uh, apocalyptic in other portions of the Bible, most notably Revelation, and I'll list a few more later. But we see these very difficult genres to interpret. But keep in mind, it's weirder for us than it was for the original audience. Okay. And what is apocalyptic? Yeah. What does that so mean? apocalyptic comes from the Greek word apocalypsis, which me- literally means revelation. Oh. And that it comes from the book of Revelation, chapter one, verse one. This is the revelation, the apocalypse of St. John, the, the, okay. uh, the apostle who's receiving this revelation from God. And so that's what it means. It, it's revelation. It's a type of revelation that 
really does deal with the future, and it does it through uh, a specific type of prophetic literature. So let me give you just a few characteristics of apocalyptic literature. It has metaphors. It's got similes. It's got non-realistic symbols. So we're not encountering these mutant beasts in our <laughs> life. So non-realistic, but symbols and then visions. And that's what makes apocalyptic literature so difficult to read when it's using an analogy that we don't know when it starts and necessarily when it stops. And interpreting it with precision can be very difficult. You want to know that this genre uh, uses numbers figuratively. You see this a lot in Revelation, too. But, for example, this is more of an easy one. The number 12 is uh, in the Bible is often used to represent the people of God. And so when it's used in, in apocalyptic literature, you can think about the people of God. And uh, hopefully you know the connection is the 12 tribes of Israel, so the people of God. So the 12 disciples. Yeah, and the 12 disciples. So, yeah, mm-hmm. so you, you are seeing that, okay, that, that is representing something. That number has some meaning, and mm-hmm. I've learned that from other places in Scripture. This uh, genre also focuses on the spiritual realm a lot. You kind of see the curtain pulled back from what we see just with our physical eyes to the spiritual realities. You see angels in the book of Daniel. Gabriel and Michael are mentioned. Uh, that They come and talk to him or we mm-hmm. hear from them. So it really focuses on the spiritual realm and on God's power and control. But I don't want us to only uh, situate on the fact that There's biblical apocalyptic literature, but there also is uh, non-biblical apocalyptic literature. This is another genre that was common, uh, especially between the 2nd century BC and the 2nd century AD. This was a very common genre. And so it is found outside of scripture, but also in scripture, you can find portions of it in Isaiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, Mark, and obviously Daniel and Revelation. And... If you've read Revelation or these passages of Daniel, it can kind of sound scary. Mm -hmm. It does. The apocalyptic literature in the Bible does concern a violent end to human history. It acknowledges that this world is wicked and it will be destroyed. But I want to encourage you that the purpose is actually not to scare you. Biblical apocalyptic, as strange as this sound, is actually meant to encourage you. It's supposed to encourage the people of God to persevere until the end, when God is going to be victorious over his enemies and over evil. It's good news that God wins. Like, that is super (laughs) encouraging. In the midst of any situation of suffering or evil in this world, you're like, I know that God wins. Yeah, and we've been seeing that in Daniel, uh, that he's in control. Yeah, all throughout. Mm -hmm. So there's not, although there's a shift in genre, there is not a shift in theme. Right. The main theme is still God is in control. Now, those are kind of the main points about apocalyptic literature, when we talk about these passages in Daniel, they're presented as prophecies. And I will acknowledge for you that that's a complicated discussion amongst scholars, biblical scholars and Daniel scholars. There are simply some people that believe these are not prophecies. They believe that they were written down, they were their historical events that are then written down later and portrayed to sound like prophecies. And some people 
who study the book of Daniel simply don't believe prophecy is possible. They mm. might not believe in God or they don't believe that prophecy, prophesying the future is something God is capable of. So I want you to know that there is a whole host of literature uh, about that topic and about the writing of Daniel, the composition of Daniel. Does the commentary that your workbook go with yes. go deep into that issue? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's very helpful. In the, and Tremper Longman it does a very good job of being balanced. Mm-hmm. He's not out there to attack someone for a different position, but he's balanced in terms of the way he presents the information and then he takes a stance. Okay. And I, I do align with Tremper on what he's saying here. I am one who, yes, affirms that God is capable of prophecy, of mm-hmm. prophesying the future, of knowing what is going to happen. And that he's revealing it uh, to us through Daniel 7 through 12. I believe that these are future prophecies written by the man Daniel in the 6th century BC. And I acknowledge not everyone takes that position. And there are, even with my understanding, there are a lot of unanswered questions. But this is where I'm convinced as of right now, based on the evidence. So I am taking, yeah, Daniel 7 through 12 as true apocalyptic prophecy. Well, thank you for yeah, cl- taking it. Yeah, well, yeah. like dipping our toe in the dipping, weeds. Yeah, <laughs> dipping your toes in there. But I, I also want to mention when prophecies are, are brought up in Daniel, what you'll see is common in a lot of other apocalyptic literature is when prophecy is is being uh, presented, it features a prophet who receives a revelation from God. Now, Daniel has been receiving revelation throughout this book several times by way of dreams and visions, and he, through God's power, is able to interpret them to Nebuchadnezzar. Mm -hmm. The irony here is Daniel's going to get visions in these chapters, and he has no clue what they mean. He now needs help. And so this is where you see an angel come on the scene to help him understand. And so revelation can come to people through dreams, visions, supernatural journeys. I mean, you see this with Ezekiel and Isaiah and Daniel. They all have these supernatural experiences. And for example, in Daniel 7, he has a dream. In Daniel 12, an angel comes to assist him. And he's commanded to write these supernatural experiences down so that people can see them in the future. And so as complicated as this genre is, I don't want us to shy away from it. I've listed several places it occurs in the Bible. And if it's in the Bible, it's important, and we want to take a look at it. But as I recommended, uh, consult commentaries, learn about apocalyptic literature, and keep in mind, we are not the original audience of Daniel. We should seek to interpret the text in light of what the original audience was enduring. So if we're saying this, yeah, is a 6th century perspective, How might these prophecies actually encourage Jewish exiles who are living far away from home under foreign oppressors? They need encouragement. And that's what we said apocalyptic literature was about. It shows that God is in control and that salvation is on the way. I would also remind you that there are metaphors. I don't want you to try and interpret these too, press them too far because metaphors break down at some point. But try to think about them from the original, the perspective of the original audience. And here's just a couple clues. Uh, you want to focus on the main points of the metaphor. And so my research has shown me in Daniel and in Revelation, when you 
encounter a head. So you'll see in chapter seven, you're going to see this like leopard-like creature that has four heads. Well, head often refers to authority. You're also going to see horns. In chapter eight, you're going to see a horn broken off. Horns refer to power. So you're going to see, okay, someone's coming and their power is going to be broken. And then eyes, this is actually something you see a lot in Ezekiel. Uh, Eyes refer to knowledge or insight. So we want to look for the main point or main theme of these metaphors, but we want to be cautious uh, with how we think about them. Keep in mind, these metaphors and images are much stranger to us modern readers than they were to the original audience. We're trying to uncover what these images and metaphors meant for them and how they might have thought or felt about them. So we're talking about, you know, the revelation, the apocalyptic literature, and we're seeing that Daniel is now having his own dreams that he's having help interpreting. Mm -hmm. Do you think that God still kind of reveals himself or speaks to us through our dreams now? I personally haven't had something (laughs) like this, but I have heard very compelling stories of people who have experienced that. Maybe Jesus is showing up in their dream or something like that, and uh, they're turning their lives over to him and uh, believing in him. And so I I think we want to acknowledge that God is still revealing himself to people. But in terms of it's, if it's new revelation, I don't think we're going to ever find something that is, is going to contradict or add to what's already said in scripture. So if God is appearing to someone in a dream, I think we want to be careful with those and, and talk to that person who has a dream or mm-hmm. uh, gets a message from the Lord. If it's not cohering with what we know in scripture, I would be very cautious about that. But if it's, hey, Jesus, the son of God who died to uh, take away the sins of the world, mm-hmm. yeah, that <laughs> coheres with scripture. Mm-hmm. And God is using that as a means to reach that person, maybe because there's not another option for reaching that person. Yep. So, so what I'm really hearing is yeah. that the, the, the final authority on it is Yeah, it's what we have. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, we also, as Christians, have the Holy Spirit, and we want to be people of discernment Mm -hmm. as well, too. Uh, For right now, I mean, we've got the canon of Scripture. We've got the books of the Old Testament and New Testament. And I, yeah, would caution you to be on the lookout. If if something contradicts with that, then that's problematic. But if it's a confirmation of this this coheres with Scripture, then, yeah, listen to what the Lord is saying. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... How about we do like just an overview? <laughs> Can you yeah, just real quick yeah. give us an overview? Of yeah, all the I just have a, a few, few comments about the chapters. Um, okay. One quick thing I want to tell you is that the book of Daniel is not in chronological order. So it's more genre arranged as we're seeing. So chapter seven opens indicating that Daniel is at a vision during Belshazzar. He's back his first year. And we learned about him in chapter five. So this backs us up to the time around chapter five, maybe like 553 BC or so when Babylon is still in control, not Persia. We also see that chapter eight indicates he has a vision two years later. So just a few years, a couple years later when Belshazzar is, is still in power. Chapter 9 now brings us back to what we were used to. Oh, the Persians have taken over. It's 539 BC. 
And then chapters 10 through 12 are connected, are all, all three of them are connected, and Daniel receives this vision in the third year after Cyrus takes over Babylon, so maybe in 536 or so BC. So they're not, the, the whole book is not in chronological order, and that's what I just want us to be careful with. But as I mentioned, in terms of predictive prophecy and apocalyptic prophecy about the future, these prophecies concern empires and events to come. Chapter 7 is actually similar to chapter 2 and the statue dream. And I'm one who sees that this is prophesying the, the rise and fall of kingdoms. We hear about Babylon, Persia, Greece, and then Rome. And that these empires are being predicted, that they are coming, but each one falls. They are not eternal. The highlight of the book actually comes in Daniel chapter 7, in my opinion. We hear about the Ancient of Days sitting on his heavenly throne to judge. And then we hear about a human-like being emerging and approaching the Ancient of Days, and he's described as one like a son of man. His kingdom is going to rule forever. And this vision really paves the way for the New Testament. If you've uh, taken a look at the Gospels, you will see that Jesus' most popular title for himself is the Son of Man. And he gets people's attention by doing that. He also offends a lot of people by doing that because he is deliberately associating himself with that character from Daniel 7 about the one who approaches the Ancient of Days whose kingdom will rule forever. He, I mean, he's affiliating himself with being the Messiah. So Daniel 7 is, I mean, fantastic in its own right, but just wait till you get Daniel 8. Daniel 8 actually is prophetically describing the events leading up to a celebration, which we know as Hanukkah. It literally describes the events leading up to the Feast of Dedication or Hanukkah. And it's so cool. Yeah, it's amazing. And it, I mean, it tells about the intense religious persecution that the Jews are under, under this guy named Antiochus IV Epiphanes. And it, although it doesn't say that name, scholars in modern day are able to look back and say, yes, these events correlate. We know that this is what this man did. He, I mean, didn't let the Jews practice circumcision. He burned copies of the Torah. He didn't let them practice the Sabbath. So intense persecution until they decided to not take it anymore and take back their temple and cleanse it. And hence Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication. Well, and the menorah, the, mm -hmm. all the light the is eight because days. they only mm -hmm. had oil for one. One day and it, it lasted, lasted eight. eight. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So, so cool that chapter 8 of Daniel is, is describing those events. Daniel 9, is the first half is a little bit different. It's actually a prayer. It's a prayer that Daniel prays on behalf of his people. He confesses the sins of his people, saying, yeah, we broke the covenant. That's why we're in exile. But he looks forward to the day when they will return, because God promised through the prophet Jeremiah it would only last 70 years, and God was going to bring them home. But once you finish the prayer, that last half of Daniel 9 through the end of the chapter, those are, or sorry, through the end of the book, those are tough prophecies. 
And I mean, in terms of Hanukkah uh, and the fall of Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, I mean, those for us modern readers are past events. Mm-hmm. But there are prophecies in the book of Daniel that are still future prophecies to come for us as modern readers. There are still portions of prophetic fulfillments to come. For example, Daniel 12 contains the clearest picture in the Old Testament of divine judgment and the afterlife. It is anticipating a universal judgment of humanity, which is also talked about in Revelation. And, I mean, Jesus mentions this. He says, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. That's what's being talked about here. There's going to be a final judgment and a distinction between those who will inherit eternal life or eternal contempt. And one of the most difficult sections comes in Daniel 11. And this is where some scholars, I mean, a lot of disagreement, but some scholars, including myself, see this prophecy in Daniel 11 having an ultimate fulfillment in a figure that is still to come. Mm. And that would be the person we refer to as the Antichrist or the man of lawlessness. So Daniel 7 through 12 is very challenging, but I don't want that to deter you. Again, I would, I would encourage you to use resources to supplement your study. And I would actually discourage you from using these chapters to try to predict dates for future events. People have tried to predict the coming of Christ for I don't know how long, and they've always got it wrong. <laughs> Date prediction is not the point or purpose of these chapters. Keep in mind, for the original audience, these prophecies were meant to encourage them as they suffered in exile. These texts gave them hope and comfort, knowing that God has always been and will always be in control and that his kingdom will never end. That's the same truth we as modern readers can be encouraged with. No matter what suffering comes our way, God is still control and will win the victory. Mm. Amen. Anna, this has been fantastic. You have done so much work to pull this <laughs> all together. You. I mean, what what a gift to all of us to Thank be able you. to understand. I mean, like you said, we need to understand the socioeconomic, mm-hmm. historical yeah. context it's of so the book. It's so key it for is. all biblical books. Right. What's going on at that time? Because this is not written to me in the 21st century. Right. Right. I mean, I'm, it is, but I'm not the original audience. Right. <laughs> yeah. So important. Mm-hmm. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you so much for joining us for the Faith Radio Reading the Bible Together podcast. The series has been Daniel, and we have more series planned. They'll be coming up later this year and into next year, so make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And thank you again for joining with us. We will see you next time. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. Special thanks to Professor Anna Rask. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com.